1972, a crack commando unit was sent to a liturgical prison by a canonical court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security diocesan stockade to the ecclesial underground. Today, still wanted by the Vatican, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, then you should listen to Libra Cristo War College. Welcome to Wednesday War College. My name is Jess Romero. We've got Kyle Clement. We've got Dan Schneider. So it's it's a real treat today. We got to both the instructors from Liber Cristo on with us today to answer questions from the audience. All kinds of questions that I've been saving that people have been asking. Uh, I just want to give acknowledgement to the saint of the day, Saint Elizabeth Ann Seton, first American canonized saint. Pray for us, Kyle and Dan. Welcome. Happy uh, Holy New Years. Happy New Year and almost peace to. Uh of the epiphany tells everybody hello jesse good to be dan good to be with both you guys awesome awesome yeah this is going to be a real treat for the audience hey we have a lot of uh a lot of questions from the audience and so we're going to get right to it because i want uh <clears throat> i want you guys to give some uh, uh responses that are going to be uh uh you know red meat red meat for the intellect <clears throat> but before we do i just want to mention if you like this show you can support the show by sharing the full show link at vmpr.org. You can also find us on social media at VMP Radio or on our YouTube channel called Full Sheen Ahead. And you can share the show with your friends and evangelize everyone you love. Kyle, uh, what are you doing these days with Monte Cristo? And uh, how can people get a hold of some of your lectures? Oh, thank you, Jesse, for the opportunity. So uh, Go to www.monte, M-O-N-T-E, Cristo, C-H-R-I-S-T-O, dot net, or www.libercristo, L-I-B-E-R-C-H-R-I-S-T-O, dot org, to find out what we've got going. Uh, we've got several retreats, several things coming up. A couple of new things that are happening. Um, one is the... Um, there is a daily reflection that we're putting out there. Um, you can access that by through info at montecristo.net and ask for the link to those uh, those 15-minute morning reflections. Um, that They're all geared toward reclamation theology. We have a reclamation theology Zoom retreat uh, that's coming up, um, one that you can register by... Um, register there with the website and, and attend that week-long retreat by Zoom. Uh, we've also got a Holy Week retreat by Zoom. And so trying to make those things a little bit more available. In addition, we've got the three retreats in, in uh, Wyoming that Father Ripperger's doing, the father-son, only two cabins left, the mother-daughter, only one cabin left. The young marrieds, we have a few spots left, uh, but that's a new retreat that Father really wanted to uh, promote. And so in a nutshell, that's what's going on, but go to montecristo.net to uh, get more details. Thank you, Jesse. You got it. Hey, Dan, when's your book coming out? People want to know. Yeah, I think it's going to be coming out in June. Right now, the schedule is June. Perfect. Sounds good. Hey, by the way, uh, yeah. by the way, family, uh, this uh, January is the month dedicated to the holy name of Jesus. So just remember to say the holy name of Jesus often throughout the day. Jesus, help me. Jesus, I trust in you. Uh, Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, I love you. Oh, by the way, before we get into the questions, 
there was a nurse that was taking care of Pope Benedict, rest in peace. And the last words that Pope Benedict said, according to the nurse that was at his bedside, before he breathed his last breath, he said, Jesus, I love you. Then he died. What a way to go. Eternal rest granted to Pope Benedict, O Lord, and let your perpetual light shine upon him. May the soul of Pope Benedict, through the mercy of God, rest in peace. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. All right, gents. <clears throat> Got a lot of questions from the audience. Um, here's one. It's uh, for anybody who wants to take this. How can a priest, a regular diocesan priest at a parish, do minor exorcisms and deliverance sessions? How can they use the binding prayers or the light of Christ's prayer before Mass or confession? Uh, how do they, when do they use these? And, uh, and, and also, is there a way for diocesan priests to use the Liber Crystal protocol? Anybody? Yeah, for sure. The, we've got a lot of priests that listen to the podcast I, I've gotten a lot of positive feedback from priests that are realizing their own sacerdotal dignity. That they have the they have not only the the right and the and the authority, but the obligation to exercise their authority over their faithful. So I know priests that are doing simple binding prayers before, um, you know, hearing confessions, praying uh, the light of Christ prayer, which which Kyle wrote, which is beautiful. May the light of Christ be upon, you know, this person so that they see themselves as the Heavenly Father sees them, then I see them as the Father sees them. Kyle wrote that prayer. It's a beautiful prayer. Praying that prayer in the confessional, uh, oftentimes also um, the demon will block your, your, your memory. So you go to confession and you can't remember what to confess sometimes. So we always tell people, write your, write your, your sins down. And so on the other side of the veil, I know a priest that is actually doing binding prayers, uh, binding any demon that is blocking the memory of my penitence, and that the light of Christ should be upon them, freeing their memory to make good and holy confessions. Wow, he says that's beautiful. That increasing the, the, the abundance of his, uh, the, the fruit is increasing a hundredfold uh, in the confessional. And then occasionally he'll just do a simple, uh, a simple uh, binding prayer. Let's say he picks up on something in the, in the sacrament, uh, something spiritual. Um, then he'll just do, hey, can I pray for you? Can I pray a quiet prayer for you? He'll do a minor binding prayer. Uh, you know, in the name of Jesus Christ, I bind this with that spirit. And then he's got He just keeps it right there in his breviary when he goes into the confessional. He, he, he told me a couple of weeks ago, uh, he hears the, on the other side of the veil, he hears somebody screaming out, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Screaming into the church. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I don't know what you just prayed, but whatever was here is gone. You know, and this is not an exorcism. This is just a basic parish priest, a smash mouth priest. Uh, in the Midwest, and this is this is what priests are called to do. So yeah, they should be doing this stuff as part of their regular ministry. Awesome, Kyle. Any comments? No, Dan's got it. He's exactly <laughs> right. Just to touch on the the power and the authority, uh, the priest has the authority to pray over his parishioners. He has spiritual authority as a spiritual father to pray over the over his parishioners. Um, and the way he can use the Libra Cristo protocol is just simply as a template or a methodology to increase the prayer and discipline in the life of his parishioners. Mm. We instruct priests, um, and there's general practitioner training. You can go to that website, montecristo.net, but there's general practitioner training, and this is for the average Joe uh, parish priest to further uh, his knowledge of spiritual warfare to make up some of the deficits that 
that may have been some gaps maybe in his formation in modern seminary, but that is open to any priest. And so I encourage a priest who has the opportunity to attend those to do so. Got it. Here's another one. Real quick, Jess, Kyle and I, uh, a few months back, we were training priests at a, at a, at a Midwest diocese, um, at, at the invitation of their bishop and, and, and vicar general. And so we, were, we spent like three or four days just teaching priests, sun up to sundown. It was awesome. And the general consensus, Kyle, if you remember, the general consensus, as we're teaching angelology, Mariology, the dominion of the Virgin Mary over the diabolic, who she has absolute coercive power over the demon. This is why theologically we understand this to be true. This is, experience, this is the sacerdotal dignity of the average priest, every priest. Uh, going through sacramentology, going through scripture, going through Mariology, uh, angelology. The, the general consensus was, man, we could have used this 25 years ago. We, I, we, we heard that so many times, didn't we, Kyle? Man, we could have used this 25 years ago. Our modern seminaries are just not teaching this type of Catholicism, which was standard fare 100 years ago. Wow. You're, you're exactly right, Dan, and that's, that's very accurate. It's been accurate at every priest gathering convocation we've done every bit of training we've done um and so it is this is part of that reclamation theology disposition is we've got to uh preserve and recapture those things that we've lost next question most priesters just real quick most priests are like uh samba who's out there eating bugs and, and grass and he tastes red meat for the first time so when a priest recognizes the, the authority he has over his flock. So, you know, when he That's a good analogy. It's like tasting red meat for the first time. It's like, whoa, I've been eating bugs my whole life. I was made, <laughs> I'm a lion. I'm a lion conformed to Christ, the, the Christ the lion of the tribe of Judah. I'm in persona Christe Leone, if you will. Christ in persona Christe the lion. And when I love that. This, Great analogy. About this. this is a straight up Catholicism. And, and, and when, the, when the priest taps into his, his power and authority as a priest, it's beautiful. We are hero support. And, and Libra Cristo, we're hero support. The real heroes are the, are, the, are, the, are the grunt priests, the grunt padres out there grinding it out in the parish. We're just here to support them. That's what Libra Cristo does. Got it. Question. I was listening to a recent War College episode where you mentioned that uh, you walk a person to vocal prayer and then, and then two and through mental prayer. Could you explain how to do this? What prayers, the amount of time for mental prayer so one can get started while we wait for your field manual? Dan. Okay, so so we walk in the field manual. It's important. Prayer is key. Christ is the, is the, the exorcist, the liberator. And so we have to commune with Christ. And most people that come to us have no interior life. They're filled with distractions. They don't know how to pray. So they have to learn the discipline of daily prayer, of just vocal prayer, praying vocal prayer, very simple. And then once they have the, the life order to prayer, because this is what Kyle has, has trained us. Kyle's our sensei in this. I mean, Kyle has said this from the beginning, that the demon responds to the imposition of order as much as to the prayers themselves. So they must impose order, and part of the order is vocal prayer. So after that, and we get a lot of guys that come through Exodus 90 that say the same thing. Their prayer life increases because of the imposition of order and a little bit of ascetic ascesis, ascetical practices, fasting, etc. And so, hold that thought, hold that thought, there, Dan. Hold that thought, my friend. Okay. Wednesday War College, Jess Romero and the two instructors from Liber Christu were uh, taking questions from the audience. We'll high, high level spiritual warfare. We'll be right back.
in memory of Pope Benedict, Jesus, I love you. This month is the uh, given over to the holy name of Jesus. Say the name of Jesus often and say it with faith, hope, and love. We've got the instructors from Liber Christa here, Dan Schneider, <coughs> Kyle Clement. And so, Dan, the question is, for those that are just tuning in right now, the question, I was listening to the most recent episode of War College, <coughs> the, 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 and uh, you mentioned that you'll walk a person to vocal prayer, then through mental prayer. Can you explain this uh, in light of uh, before your field manual comes out? Yeah, so, so we go from vocal prayer and the imposition of order, including a, a, a media fast, to start reordering the interiority to, be, to, to learn how to pray, um, setting time away, time aside for prayer, hitting certain set times. That's part of our, our protocol. And then, we, and then eventually you have to learn to do mental prayer. St. Teresa of Abbott, the doctor of the church, said there's never a time that her daughters, the Carmelites, should uh, n- not do mental prayer. This is a woman who received mystical union uh, with God, uh, you know, I mean, uh, unbelievable mystical graces. And she says we must do mental prayer. And so mental prayer, uh, uh, Lexio Divina is another way uh, of meditating on Holy Scripture. Kyle is doing a tireless work on, on teaching mental prayer on his podcast or his, his, his Bible studies and, and, and uh, uh, work that he's doing through Monte Cristo. So I'll, I'll defer over to Kyle. But basically, Lexio Divina has four phases. Read, meditate, pray, contemplate. Benedict XVI, in memory of him, he adds in Verbum Dei, uh, uh, a fifth element, and that's axio. So it's lexio, meditatio, oratio, contemplatio, and then axio. And we hear the word action, and we always think, well, that means I'm going to go out and work in the soup kitchen. And spirit, in the Catholic tradition, the spiritual works of mercy are always, always uh, have primacy over the corporal works of mercy. And so part of the action, and I'll let Kyle clean it up, but part of the action that is the fruit of mental prayer is what do I need to militate against in my interiority? What did God show me? What are the defects in my soul and my psychology and my, and my emotions? What are the areas that I need to improve? So I remove the obstacles to grace. This is the fruit of prayer. This is the action that prayer is driven to Kyle. Uh, Dan is exactly right. He lays a great foundation here. Uh, If you want to go deeper into this, you can access um, book studies we are just about to complete the ways of mental prayer by uh, Father Lahodi, which is the definitive work on mental prayer. But just as Dan says, and what um, uh, our Holy Father Benedict added, the axio, one of the things that Father Lahodi says is that the fruit of all productive prayer, of all good prayer, the fruit of that prayer is resolution. And resolution is what will I do differently? How will I address the predominant fault? How will I cultivate virtue? How do I become a better instrument? Um, and so this is a this is a total difference uh, in modern prayer, modern spiritual direction, which uh, shifts the focus. But Lectio Divina should lead us to action. All good mental prayer should lead us to a resolution, as Father Lahodi says, which is an interior movement which ultimately sanctifies us and makes us a more uh, efficient and efficacious instrument, makes us pleasing to God, makes us a place um, to, to receive sanctifying grace. And Dan brought up a really good point that figures in our protocol, and that is you identify the impediments to grace. <clears throat> what is it uh, that needs to be addressed in my life so that I'm not an impediment um, to grace? This goes beyond the ferreting out sin. 
I think modernly, this is one of the fallacies of spiritual direction, which is more akin to life coaching modernly. But true spiritual direction is how to direct a soul uh, toward God. Um, this is post the ascendancy out of habitual mortal sin. Uh, this is a desire for holiness. And there, there's a big difference between avoidance of sin and desire for holiness. Yeah, two, two things also. Resolution. So mental prayer, they talk about consideration, uh, application, and resolution. Consider the mystery. How does it apply to me? And what are my resolutions? What am I going to do to, to become more holy, to become holier, become more like Christ? And, and part of that is uh, the obstacles to grace can be defects, moral defects, but also psychological defects. Where in my emotional, psychological life am I creating a compatibility with the demon? Where am I, where, where am I becoming attractive? Where, where does the demon, where, where are the openings that allows the demon to manipulate me and draw me out of my armor? So this is also the fruit of mental prayer. Next question from the audience is, uh, <clears throat> I'm wondering about whether the private version of exorcism against Satan and his apostate angels, which instead of stating by the sacred authority of our ministry states by the sacred authority of Holy Mother Church. It, it, if, if that can be said by a lay person, if they would change those last words by the sacred authority of Holy Mother Church, then the questioner asks, there's a piece of audio on YouTube in which the private version of this prayer is being said. However, I'm worried about invoking authority that I do not have since I'm invoking the authority of the church. In what circumstances would such a prayer be appropriate? So this is a lay person asking if he can pray the prayer exorcism against Satan and his apostate angels. Any one of you? So yeah. this is a this is a fairly involved answer. Um, you want to run first, Dan? No, go ahead. So the short answer is no. It's never appropriate, and there's no such thing as a private provision. Uh, for the laity. Very simply, I direct your attention to two documents, Inti Ab Eloquent Honest, CDF 1984, author is Cardinal Ratzinger, who lays out very clearly that this prayer is known in the Catholic Church as chapter three. What does that mean? It means it's included as the third chapter of the formal rite of exorcism of 1614, and therefore is a restricted prayer. What does that mean? It means that only a bishop can allow a priest to, to say it. A priest has to have permission by his bishop um, to, to use and to say this prayer. And in this document that I just referenced, the bishops are actually directly instructed in this document to admonish the faithful, lay faithful, not to use this prayer, that it's not appropriate because it is a canonically restricted a prayer. And if a bishop were to uh, give authority to even a deacon or any, a laity, anyone other than a priest, this is beyond his canonical authority as reserved in 1172. So there's a very clear definitive answer for this. It's not speculation. This answer is reiterated um, in a CDF document, June 2015, in response to two dubia, uh, which further restricts it and makes it clear that a deacon may not uh, say this prayer under, uh, if, uh, even if a bishop gives him authority that exceeds the bishop's authority to do so. And it's only available to a priest and only by the permission of his bishop. The only exception is a pastor, a priest um, has the ability to pray this, this prayer privately. And that's, that's in his own, in his own confines. He cannot pray it over people. He cannot pray it over uh, any place that he doesn't have direct authority, such as his parish. 
So the idea that priests could pray this prayer over abortion clinics got a lot of them in a lot of trouble. This prayer uh, is formalized and incorporated into the formal rite of exorcism and therefore is under the restricted class. So there's the legal answer. Uh, Dan has some practical experience with people who have prayed this uh, outside their scope of authority. Yeah, no, we've, we've seen this. Again, the, the confusion is um, that, well, the bishop said I could do this prayer, but it very clearly, 26 June 2015, um, uh, letter came out from the CDF. Very, very clearly, who can pray it? According to Canon 1172, they can be prayed over persons, only by priests that have been given, or places, given express permission by the bishop. So if you're praying this uh, at a 40 Days for Life rally, et cetera, if the bishop is doing it, you now have the authority of the bishop to pray this prayer. Um, but if you're not, then, then you can pray it privately as a priest. Think of it this way. We have dinner over at my house, and Jesse, you say, Dan, I'd like you to, to say, Grace, this is your house. And I say, oh, great. Blessed are you, our Lord of creation, who have given us bread to eat, the fruit of the vine, and work of human hands. And I start reciting the Roman canon of the Eucharistic prayer, you would look at me like, have you lost your mind? That's a priestly prayer. That is not something that a, that a dad, should, father of head, should be praying grace over a meal. That's, that's a reserved prayer for the priest in a specific setting. This is no different. Chapter three of the rite of exorcism is a priestly prayer. Only priests can pray that. I have seen deacons pray this and pay a severe price for this. I have seen priests pray this with permission who aren't in the state of grace, who have been absolutely wiped out by the demon. This prayer, as, as Kyle said, is a high-flash weapon. This is like popping a, a small nuke. So if you pop a nuke, a small miniature nuke, it's going to leave a huge footprint, and everybody in the region is going to see this weapon go off. And so the same thing, when somebody prays chapter 3, the language is so profound, and the demon responds to the language so quickly and profoundly it's going to attract, it's going to draw a crowd, so to speak. And they're going to say, whoa, are you really going there? Are you going to bring, are you going to bring the big guns? You better make sure that your soul is in order and you better make sure you're following the right rules of engagement because we follow the rules of engagement the way God has established. Here's it's another the question. Is, the result is retaliation, as Father Ripperger explains, is always the barometer. So, so this, re, this, 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 this guy, this, this uh, listener that emailed us, his, his instincts are spot on. Yeah. To, 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 to be very cautious in spiritual warfare. But once you know the, once you know the rules of engagement and you're, and you're in a state of grace and you're pursuing holiness, engage. Engage very, very seriously and engage with, with extreme prejudice, as they say. Got it. Okay, here's another question. I'm going to shorten it because it's a, it's a long question from this listener. <clears throat> he said he spoke with a traditional priest, probably his pastor, and he said, uh, and he showed him, I guess, the prayers, the Exilium Christianorum prayers. And the priest said that he does not recommend that he do these prayers. Uh, that's so. That's the gist of the of of the question. What would you say uh, when people are saying, "Well, I went to my priest, and my priest is saying he t- he took a look at the Exilium Christianorum prayers, and he does not recommend that I pray them." Uh, what would you say? Well, a couple of things. Part of the part of the the two different things. One is uh, the email was on deliverance prayers in general, and the second one is the Exilium Christianorum. Okay. So the, okay. So the Exilium Christianorum prayers. If a priest, if your pastor says, "I don't think you should pray those," he may have a pastoral reason. 
he may want you he may want you to to he may want to work with you and walk you into spiritual spiritual warfare he might know something that we don't so but follow the rules of that so if your confessor run it by them hey i want to start praying these prayers and that way he's aware that if you start getting lit up he knows how he knows how to he knows how to do wound care for you so to speak but in terms of general general warfare prayers this is the other extreme we have two extremes in the catholic world right now one extreme is leaned towards protestantism and charismatic renewal that anybody can pray any prayer except for maybe we can't pray chapter three and even then we can pray with certain nuances lay people can pray absolutely everything and then the other extreme is lay people shouldn't do anything you should just pray the rosary stay to go to confession and you should not be praying these spiritual warfare prayers at all that's the other extreme you can't engage at all which is which to me is false as well remember father Rupert has very aptly explained the authority structure the two ends of the authority structure is to provide and to protect. Okay, yeah, and I hear the music. I hear I hear the music coming to a hard break. Okay. You're listening to Wednesday War College with uh, myself and the two instructors for Liberty Crystal. We've got questions, uh, email questions from many listeners, and they are taking uh, high level spiritual warfare questions right now. We'll be back. Wednesday War College, Jess Romero, the two instructors from Liber Crystal, taking questions from listeners, uh, high-level spiritual warfare questions. And Dan is answering the question right now about the extreme views in the Catholic Church, where you have uh, maybe some libertinism, where everybody can do any deliverance prayer, lay hands on people, cast out demons from anybody. Then you have the other extreme, where maybe some uh, some traditional priests will say, don't pray these prayers on Auxilium Christianorum. Don't pray any deliverance prayers. Just stick to the regular prayers of the church. So, the yeah. So Dan, what say you? So I'll 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 bring it. I'll bring in a, a theological principle, and then I'll let Kyle because Kyle's doing a lot of uh, of, of book studies on this on holy spiritual combat, etc. But if if we know that to be true, what Father Ripper says from Saint Thomas and the scholastic and developed tradition of the church that the authority structure has two ends: to provide and to protect. And, and part of the authority structure, it isn't that I have the right to pray these prayers. I have an obligation. So when one, one, who is under, one who is in authority has an obligation to execute their authority, to exert their authority. And what does the exertion of authority look like? To provide and protect spiritually, in this case, for the family. And so, and so um, I agree. You have to do it prudently. You have to be smart about it. You have to, you have to, you have to know, you know the rules of engagement. But then engage because you have an obligation as head of household to protect your family. At the end of the day, when when your family gets overrun, the enemy gets inside your wire, and you and the Lord's going to say, "Hey, why did you let the enemy inside your wire?" Well, Father So and So said I couldn't pray these prayers, so I didn't. Sorry, you're going to be held responsible. We're held responsible. We have an obligation to execute our authority that we have as head of household, as parish priest, uh, as you know, superior of a religious order, etc. We have an authority. An obligation, I mean, to exercise that authority to protect and to provide for those under our authority. Kyle, comment? Yeah, well, he's exact. Dan's exactly right, and and this is why the uh, admonition is there before you pray these prayers, the auxilium prayers. Uh, consult your priest because he's got a better idea pastorally. He can see a clearer picture. And I bring up a point 
um, when you talk about psychological compatibility, if you have the need to say deliverance or binding prayers, then you've already got an issue. You've got a vulnerability or the demon wouldn't have gotten this close. And so you, you've already got a compromised boundary. You've already got a compromised uh, defense system or protection system. And so you do well to address, okay, where is that breach in the wall uh, before you before you actively invite more enemy? Um, and so also the, par- the pastor is in a situation to do what we call exhaust pastoral response because di- extraordinary diabolical activity nine times out of 10 starts as ordinary diabolical activity and not properly addressed as ordinary diabolical activity. It's allowed to accelerate or to, to increase to the extraordinary level, all to bring about a conversion, a change, um, an adjustment in your faith practice, your life, um, how you are living your life. And so the pastor, it's, it's his obligation to try to address these through ordinary means. The problem is modernly we're a bunch of snowflakes. We think every bit of uh, adversity or any difficulty is extraordinary, and it's not. Uh, for instance, if Eve had reacted to uh, the serpent in the garden the way my Scott grandmother would have, which would have picked up a stick and whacking, talking snake, if Eve dispatches the little wiggler in the garden, uh, then Mary does not have to face the dragon in John's apocalypse. Evil grows, and it's the, it's a universal principle. And so address it while it's in the ordinary form, and then you don't have to address it when it's in the extraordinary form. Well, here's a piggyback. Here's a, here's a, a question that uh, basically is an addendum to what I just asked. One of the, one of the email listeners just asked, uh, should lay people pray deliverance prayers some priests say a sacramental life and the daily rosary is sufficient. So why should I pray any deliverance prayers? Yeah, I think that's what that's what Kyle was hitting on. If if you can do it, it, it the medical model that we that we practice at Libra Cristo, what what is the the principle of the medical model in medicine? Do no harm, right? And so you do you do the minimal amount of work, not the minimal amount of firepower what's needed. So so you. So if, if you can, everything should be cleaned up through the ordinary means, rosary, state of grace, prayer, et cetera. If, you, if you're being driven to do more, so somehow the enemy's got inside. He's got inside the wire in some way. It could be through your sexual practices, right? Because there's a lot of confusion among Catholics uh, on, on what is clean and unclean sexuality. Wherever right. there is clean and unclean, wherever there is the unclean, the enemy's going to be trying to work his way in. So, but... but the, you know, the, the pastor here in the situation is prudent to say, you know, don't look for a demon, or the devil under every rock. But at some point, if you if you see the enemy, you got to engage, uh, you know, um, but but Kyle is correct. I mean, you, 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 you exhaust the pastoral response first uh, and grow in virtue and grow in virtue. Ultimately, what keeps the enemy from us? Holiness of thought, word and deed. That's what keeps that's what our perimeter keeps tight. That's what keeps our shot group tight. That what keeps our perimeter tight. That what keeps the wire nice and secure. And that is holiness of thought, word, and deed. Let me, I would just say something before Kyle jumps in. I would say that, well, Catholics have always been praying deliverance prayers. I mean, the St. Michael the Archangel prayer, was, which was given to us over 100 years ago, the, 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 the small, uh, uh, the shortened form, that, that's a deliverance prayer. We, Catholics have been told to pray that by three popes uh, after Mass. 
Uh, the Our Father, at the end of the Our Father, we say deliver us from evil. It got a deliverance component to it as well. So, uh, uh, again, I, I think even the Anima Christi, you look at, uh, read the Anima Christi, it has, uh, it has deliverance, uh, you know, prayers, uh, deliverance prayer language in, uh, in that very prayer itself. And lay people pray that after Holy Communion as well. So, I think, again, just like you said, it's safe, but you've got to ask your pastor and make sure your pastor gives you the green light because your pastor knows if you're, as we say in police work, if you're a 5150, if you're nuts, okay? <laughs> if, you, if, if you got, the, the pastor knows if you, okay, here yeah. comes, uh, yeah. They, they, know, they know in their parish who are the 5150 parishioners that when they walk into their office, they hear the Twilight Zone music. Of course, they're going to say, you know what? It's better for you to stick to these basic prayers of the church. Kyle, comment? Well, you're exactly right, uh, Jesse, and there's only one other area I really want to focus on, <clears throat> and we get a lot of these emails, is people, young people, young families, people who are not parented well, um, they do not generally make good parents, and so what's happening is, is we've got young families who, when children misbehave, um, they want to attribute that immediately to the diabolical. And it's a lack of discipline is what it amounts to, both in themselves and in their children. And so to understand our obligations of vocation, our obligations to correct, to form, to shape, and the obligations to um, the child before he reaches the age of reason, while he's de developing the age, the faculty of reason, and then post-faculty of reason, these are, these are very um, significant things that people, I see it more and more, they want to attribute bad behavior uh, to the diabolical and it's bad parenting, it's not bad behavior. And so to look first and foremost to yourself, um, how, and the pastor will help you do that. He's got a view of your family at the mass that um, it's very, very different than the view you have of your family at the mass. This is why you need to know your pastor, you need to have him in your home, you need to you know, cultivate a relationship uh, with him. And so I, um, I'll, I'll tell the, the funny story just briefly. My son-in-law is in, in the barbershop and he meets the priest. And, and at that time, um, my grandson, his son, uh, was about two years old and he's a flaming redhead and he, everything that goes with it. And so the priest says, you look familiar to me. Who are you? And, and my son-in-law, as soon as he gave him his name, the priest goes, oh yeah, the redhead. <laughs> so, <laughs> you've been watching this boy in mass. But the, the point that I'm making is behavior, oftentimes we attribute bad behavior to being diabolical. And that's not necessarily so. Got it. Good stuff. Hey, let's, let's move on to, uh, what about dreams? Uh, question. Joseph was spoken, was spoken in, to in a dream to take the Holy Family and depart. Should Christians engage in dream interpretation? What does the Bible say about dreams? Yeah, um, this is a good topic because uh, I've gotten other questions in the emails as well. Because um, uh, a, lo a lot of Christianity today and a lot of Catholicism today is based on private revelation. And the church is the, 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 sound, the sound doctrine of the faith. Dan is cutting out. Kyle, are you there? Can you jump in? Yeah, I'm here. And, Go and ahead. I think that first. First of all, is let's understand um, when it's talking about Jacob, when it's talking about Joseph, when it's talking about these these two uh, dreamers um, in the Bible. 
And so dream, the dream is a, is a form, uh, that word is a way to, to describe locution. Um, but both of these men are in a state that is, um, that is a state of holiness, Joseph especially. And so, and Joseph doesn't, it's not dream interpretation. Um, dreams are probably the least reliable spiritual medium um, because they're full of ourselves. I always tell the story. Uh, last night, I had this horrible dream uh, of these demons. They were big. They were round. They were nasty. And they were speaking Italian. And uh, oh, they were everywhere. And they were really pressing in on me. And uh, then I woke up with the taste of the pepperoni pizza in my mouth that I'd had the night before. <laughs> it, and, and so these are these are the least reliable. When a monk or a, or a sister would go to their superior and say, I've had this locution, they would ask their three standard monastic questions. Number one, um, you getting enough sleep. Number two, you getting enough to eat. Number three, are you drinking? And so um, <laughs> there's just too much of us uh, in dreams. And so the, the idea of dream interpretation as a medium of mystical revelation um, St. John of the Cross, Teresa of Avila, all of the, the mystics would tell you reject that mystical phenomenon out of hand. Um, Joseph, of course, is a different case. He's in a different class. Both Josephs, um, the uh, patriarch Joseph, as well as um, the defender of the faith and, and the foster father of Christ. The, these are two different individuals that are existing on a different level. And Hold that thought, Kyle. Hold that thought, my friend. Yeah. Wednesday War College. Hard break. We'll continue taking the questions, email questions from listeners. Stick around. Wednesday War College. We've got a uh, real treat here. And uh, to start off the year, we've got both instructors from Liber Cristo. Uh, Kyle Clement, Dan Schneider, and uh, the question that Kyle is answering right now is, what does the Bible say about dreams? Go ahead, Kyle, continue. Well, is that Joseph, both of the Josephs um, are dreaming on a, in, a, in a different way. I think that uh, Dan will help us. Dan's our linguist. Uh, Dan will certainly, certainly help us with regard to the understanding of of dream as locution versus um, a, a nocturnal experience of the psyche. Uh, or a function of the brain. But um, the mystics, St. John of the Cross, Teresa of Avila, all the great mystics would tell you to reject that mystical phenomenon out of hand. Number one, God's not the only one who broadcasts on that frequency. Um, and, and so that, I think that's uh, the point. Yeah, Dan. yeah so um, interesting is when, when Joseph receives a dream, in the Old Testament, uh, dreams are always pagan. It was a dream interpretation. You have you have pagan schools set up in Daniel, uh, um, and, and Genesis, um, the Babylonians, the Egyptians. They had schools set up to dream interpretation. But this is this is what it says in Sirach, Sirach 34. Empty and false are the hopes of the senseless, and dreams give wings to fools, like one grasping at shadows or chasing the wind. So anyone who believes in dreams, what is seen in dreams is a reflection, like the likeness of a face looking at itself. How can the unclean produce what is clean? How can the false prophets produce what is true? Divination, omens, and dreams are unreal. What you already expect, the mind fantasizes. 
unless they are specially sent by the Most High, do not fix your heart on them, for dreams have led many astray, and those who put their hope in them have perished. <clears throat> when Joseph receives the dream, <clears throat> he is told very specifically, do this. Take the child and his mother. There's no interpretation at all. Every other time in the New Testament, um, there's a difference between a dream and a vision. Uh, uh, St. Peter's vision of take and eat, that's not a dream. So, so uh, uh, dreams have three sources. They can either be from yourself, your own psychological garbage, uh, um, that Father Ripperker calls it. Uh, it could be diabolic, right? And it could be from God or from an angel, right? It's like the smash mouth uh, uh, way of saying it is um, Woody Hayes would say about, about passing the football instead of running the football. He says three things happen when you throw the ball and two of them are bad, right? So the same thing with dreams, three potential sources and two of them are bad. And so, so a lot of it has to do with what you're eating. You know, I had a lady, Kyle and I were at a conference once in Chicago, and a lady raised her hand. And she said, I had this dream, and, you know, Betty White was there, and there was a gallon of milk, and then, and then somebody drove by on a Ford Fairlane. And, and wh what do you think that means? And I said, I think it means you need to stop eating the, the Domino's meat lovers at 1030 at night before you go to bed because, because you're hammering yourself and it's in your body. You know, you're, it's, the, it's the meat pulp thing that Kyle talks about. So, so not trusting dreams and, and falling into dream interpretation and particularly is not, it's not Catholic. Now, there are times that you can get a diabolically influenced dream. It's going to have a very clear trajectory. It's going to be very vivid. Uh, but either way, the, what the dreams, what we tell people in our ministry is what the dreams tell you, forget the details, you know, Betty White and the Snickers bar commercials, forget that stuff. But what is the vulnerability that presented? Are you having a pattern of sexual dreams that maybe there's something in your sexual life that the demon sees as vulnerable and he's trying to hit you in your sleep? Is it a person, a place, an attachment point? You can see in the dreams, there's areas that I need to work on. But that doesn't mean you fall into dream interpretation. Normally, what I, my recommendation is, oh, that was nice, and move on. Don't give another thought. Don't talk about it. Don't tell 100 people about your dream. Just drive on. <laughs> okay, yeah. hey, well, we, th this question is going to probably take the rest of the show. Epiphany, <clears throat> uh, Epiphany Sunday is uh, right around the corner, or uh, Epiphany, the Feast of the Epiphany. Or Thursday, yeah. Yes, a lot of people, uh, are, there's a tradition that's starting to come back in the Catholic Church. It's the Epiphany House Blessing. Uh, you have Epiphany Water Blessed uh, on the Epiphany Feast Day. Uh, question is, can lay people bless uh, the house with the Epiphany Blessing? Do they have to call a priest? Or what is the Epiphany Blessing? Just give us kind of a, a bird's eye view. What is this? Most, most novice ordo Catholics have never heard of this. Go ahead, Kyle. Start. So, um... A good source um, is fish eaters, um, but the blessing out is out there. The formula for the blessing is out there. Uh, on the various levels of efficacy of holy water uh, or blessed water, epiphany is kind of the nuclear weapon. And it simply because the, it's a long and involved blessing, it's very specific about what you're asking. The priest is asking this water to be able to do. And so it's a very, very efficacious um, holy water, a very efficacious sacramental. Um, but the epiphany blessing is very simply the head of the household. This is the father is to do this. Um, it, he's to um, bless the thresholds, uh, the doorpost, and then uh, the lintel above the door is to inscribe while intoning um, a particular formula 
a cross, the letter C, another cross M, another cross B, and then another cross at the end. And so this is Caspar, Malkiar, and Balthazar, the name of the names of the three um, wise men, the Magi. And it's also stands for the um, slogan, Christus Mansionis Benedicta, Christ bless this house. Um, go to the reflection on Epiphany, Twelfth Night and Epiphany uh, at montecristo.net um, and ask for that reflection. But that formula is, is made for the head of the house to do that, the, the father, the patriarch of the house, to bless that house while everyone's in attendance. There's also a blessing for children, which would have happened uh, on the earlier this or today, as a matter of fact. But um, these blessings, these traditional blessings, we have to uh, we have to recapture these. We have to to preserve these blessings. Yeah, Kyle had a case uh, where the Epiphany blessing uh, cleared out a lot of garbage in the house. And correct me if I'm wrong, Kyle, at the at stuff some of the spiritual garbage started returning and it was exactly one day after the last year's epiphany blessing is that correct that's exactly right dan yeah the blessing is from epiphany to epiphany and it it's a it's a variation on the practice of mezuzah um scripture on the door of the jews it is uh, the dedication of the house to our lord um echoes back to joshua as for me and my house we shall serve the lord but these declarations made by the head of household. Now, here's the conflict. Is the father who does this, who stands and does this on Epiphany with his family in, in attendance, you know, if this guy is involved in pornography or other vicious behavior, man, he is going to come under attack. He is going to, you got to be who you say you are. You got to walk the walk. You got to talk the talk. You can't put on a show and then in the dark, not act consistent with a <laughs> blessing. So, uh you know that you can't be a composer in this because the demon will out you. Yeah, Kyle. You know, I I also heard in a lecture over in Los Angeles, he also talked about the part of the Epiphany blessing. It's a friend of yours, uh, Monsignor John Essef. He said the same thing that he, in in many cases that he's uh, done the Epiphany blessing in the house, and he he's asked the father to renew it. Uh, on, on the next feast of the Epiphany blessing, and the and, and there was like demonic infestation in the house, and it cleared up. Monsignor Esf says, if the father did many cases over in the East Coast, if the father did not do it, the next Epiphany feast day, all the preternatural poltergeist activity came back with a vengeance. And so he, I've heard Monsignor Esf say. This is powerful and efficacious for one year, but it has to be done again. It absolutely does, and, and it, it's a reoccurring thing. Um, it's interesting, too, that that epiphany blessing, when you do that, when you seal the threshold, not only are you sealing that that's from entering, whatever's in the house that's a deviancy uh, is trapped. And so mm. sometimes it starts becoming active. Uh, sometimes it becomes active. Interesting. Uh, uh, Dan, any comments? Yeah, no, no. And so again, definition uh, from hell. They 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 track this stuff. So, mm. so doing this exacting, the language is very clear. Um, um, it's very clear, and it, it is spiritual warfare. You're blessing the house as head of household from the office. 
of head of household and so you got to make sure you're in a state of grace um the 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 50 water blessing this is this these are your plus p rounds these are your 50 50 cal your 30 mike mike armor penetrating uh, uh rounds this, this is a this is the 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 big the big kahuna of blessings it's powerful here uh this is this is what the priest prays in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by his power, we cast you out every unclean spirit, every devilish power, every assault of the infernal adversary, every legion, every diabolical group and sect, be gone and stay far from the church, etc. This is a powerful, part of that comes right out of the rite of exorcism, uh, um, litany of saints, it's a deum. This is imbuing the water with plus P power. Uh, and, and so when you use this, believe me, the enemy recognizes it. This is a great sacramental for us to be using as lay Catholics. That's a wrap. Hey, Kyle, how can people uh, get in on your classes? Oh, so thank you, Jesse. Go to www.montecristo.net, and you can either email info to receive the daily reflections, or you can look at the events and media that is there. Also go to www.libercristo.org. There's a lot of videos and, and things there. Uh, that the Both of those libraries and archives will be increasing. There's a Monte Cristo YouTube channel. Uh, exhaust those resources. And if you have questions, please email us. And uh, you can find out what we're up to and what we're doing and how to get on those book studies and those retreats and those, um, those Zoom reflections. So thank you, Jesse. Thank you, Dan. Yeah, you got yeah, yeah, thank you, Kyle. And and also we we've got our, our annual training for teams. If uh, if if you're uh, if you'll need permission to to from your from your your bishop or, or pastor to send a team. But we but we're doing weekly team or a week long tra team training for Levi Cristo, general practitioner training for priests, uh, exorcist training for for exorcists, and also mental health professionals. So go to, go to montecristo.com and get get that information or Libra info or LibraCristo.com and we'll get this stuff to you. Uh, um, uh, that, that as well, but take advantage of, of, of the stuff that Kyle's doing. He's doing some tremendous, tremendous work, and I really highly encourage people um, to, 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 to get this level. This is high-level spiritual warfare, what he's training. Good stuff. Thanks a lot, gentlemen. Uh, we'll see you next time. You've been listening to Wednesday War College, Jess Romero, uh, Dan, Dan uh, Schneider, Kyle Clement. High-level spiritual warfare. Hey, don't forget... Uh, you can listen to us every Wednesday. Get this show and share it with others and evangelize other people. People that have questions about spiritual warfare, share this show with your friends and evangelize everybody you love. Remember, this is a month of the holy name of Jesus. Repeat that name. Yep. And uh, uh, Richard, when is the conference? When is the spiritual warfare conference? What day? Take a look at... 18th and 19th, take a look at VMPR website. The Spiritual Warfare Conference is right around the corner. Go to vmpr.org, Spiritual Warfare Conference with the uh, Liber Crystal team and Father Ripper Girl will be right. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. God bless you.